following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. The topic that I chose was uh, collecting a loan. As we discussed, we did a class on loans in the past, which was our charging interest, that there's an issue specifically charging a fellow Jew interest, which some view as a racist law. As we explained, it's not racism in the sense of there's nothing immoral about charging interest, as David could tell you. It's very moral. Charging interest is a good thing. The, the, all the issue with charging interest to a fellow Jew is the concept of the Torah wants to perpetuate as, as a Jewish nation, we're all one family. So just as, um, even though there's nothing immoral about charging interest, if your brother comes to you for a loan, you know, if you're a nice guy and you're a good brother, you're not going to charge him interest. So that's really the concept. So again, there's nothing I know. <laughs> I know. immoral. You disagree Bravo. with that statement? <laughs> Okay, not going. I'm not getting into family <laughs> politics, but uh, the point is, it, a, it would be again. It's not immoral to charge a brother interest. It's just not uh, if you're a nice brother, you're not gonna. You, if his family member, close family member, you're not gonna say, well, I'm charging you 15% uh, interest. So that's really the way in the Torah. In many laws, we see that um, the Torah talks about, including by the way, returning lost objects. It's the same thing. The Torah only says. You have to return, and again, it sounds racist on the surface. You have to return a lost object to a fellow Jew. Because again, there's nothing immoral. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. The concept of keeping something that you find, there's nothing immoral. It's not, it's not a question of is it ethical or not. You found it, it belongs to you, the guy. You don't have to go, you don't have to spend your time going looking for the owner. But the Torah says for a fellow Jew, we view all of, we have to view all of our, um, I guess, we're, we're one family, and therefore there's an issue. Not that I own your money, per se, but. No one, in a certain sense, no one owns their money, and that's also relevant to the topic we're going to talk about, which is loans. As okay, I just have a, a little clarification. Yes, somebody that's nice, I mean, as, as far as what I'm thinking, is somebody that charges you 7% interest instead of 15%. Then you're being <laughs> nice. Okay, a, a, bro a brother or a family member that doesn't uh, charge they interest... Say, 15% interest is, is nice. 25. No, no. Is, is there a, is there a, maybe a different word? Because I, I I'm not sure that nice. What would compel somebody to be nice? I, no, so I'm telling you, your brother. Is, is if, it, if my brother would come to me, I, I, no, no. Do you understand I, what I'm saying? I wouldn't the feel comfortable nice charging is, interest. Well, well, so you're right. Well, the word well, nice. Is, so, is, so is there something else? Maybe because is you're not you're morally right, obligated, and no, are you punished not, if you do it? Yeah. No. Once the Torah uh, mandated that we treat our fellow Jews as family, so now it becomes an obligation. But the issue is, I'm saying, is it's not, it's not an issue of, is it, it's immoral. Normally when the Torah prohibits something, so by the fact that the Torah said this is not a good thing, that makes it immoral in Jewish philosophy. What we're saying is here, so then the question becomes, if it's immoral, so then how could you treat a non-Jew, shouldn't be, we shouldn't treat, there's a prohibition to treat non-Jews immorally also, we're not, we don't differentiate when it comes to immorality. We don't differentiate between fellow Jews and, and, and other citizens. There's no difference. So therefore, what we're saying is it's not an issue of immorality. Charging interest, seven percent interest, ten percent interest, whatever it is, fifteen percent or even twenty percent is not immoral. Listen, I'm, it's my money. I made this money, right, and I'm going to be losing my. I can't invest it now. You want it? You can have it, but I need to. Recoup some of my losses and that I could be invested. Nice, so that's I'm not a question for so No, 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 no. So it's not a question of immorality. Sure the point is, it's not a que it's not an issue of immorality. Okay. Now, the, so right. you want to? Uh, I use the word nice. You want to use a different word? Uh, 
But you you, it's, it's just a question taxes. of what's uh, decent, okay. meaning for a family member, okay. it's not okay. it's not viewed as decent to charge interest. Okay. In yeah. families that everyone gets along, usually there's no listen. If, if you're char- if you're lending someone a hundred million dollars, even in the family, many times you're gonna charge interest. So so you have to know what the guidelines are and what. Um, but so so but and, and Robert, just yes. The business aspect of that is if you're not charging interest, it disincentivizes somebody to pay you back more rapidly. Well, that, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Just think about it. If, if I owe you interest, and, and your point is, is good about the rate, but if I owe you interest at eight percent, I'm going to want to extinguish that debt. If I owe you interest at fifteen percent, I'm going to want to extinguish the debt even faster. I would argue, thus promoting family values as opposed <laughs> to keeping it out. See? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank God you didn't write the Torah. <laughs> okay. okay, so so let's see. So so again, the concept. So we're not we're we're not talking about interest today. That's a separate topic, as we said. And there are loopholes, and there are ways when one lends um, to do it in a way where there's interest even legally, the way it's done is they couch in terms of a of an investment as opposed to loan because the Torah specifically prohibits loans um, on interest. So, but that's a whole, we did that topic I believe in the past. But I want to focus on a question of, there's a mitzvah um, of lending money, okay? As we discussed when we discussed charity, actually the Maimonides says very clearly lending money is a much greater mitzvah than giving someone a handout. Because when you give someone charity for a person, so they, you know, there's a little shame involved. There's always shame, at least in most cultures, for when someone takes a handout. Um, when you give someone a loan, so you're not, you're not in a sense, there's no shame. You're giving him, you're saying, hey, I want to help you. You want to start a business, you want to start a small business, whatever it is you want to buy, want to buy a house. So there's a much, the, the Torah stresses that lending money is a much greater mitzvah in a certain sense than um, even giving charity, okay? Now, obviously, the question then becomes: There's issues of getting paid back. Many times, when you do lend money, um, and, and Shane Bryan's out here, deals with the Hebrew Free Loan Society, which we have in Houston, where they lend money, interest-free money, um, and it has it does become an issue. Actually, I was with him last week. Well, he got a phone call from a woman who wanted to get uh, plastic surgery, certain body parts. I don't remember. I don't know which body parts. And she wanted a loan from Hebrew Free Loan. And the question was, she was saying it's medically mandated, she needs to do it. He called, uh, actually it was interesting, he called while I was with him, he called a, a plastic surgeon, I gave him the number, he called the guy, and the person said it's totally cosmetic, there's no medicine involved. The question was, should you give a loan in, in circumstances like that? When, do you, when are you required to give a loan? When is it actually a mitzvah? When, when the fact is that when you know there's a certain amount of risk involved of not getting paid back, is that exempt me from giving a loan, uh, from performing this mitzvah, and and how? What is my recourse when the loan is not paid back? So these are very important questions. I put down some of them here. It says although starting from the top of the page, although it's very big mitzvah to lend money, some people are reluctant to do so because they know of loans that were hard to collect. So the question number one is: Must I lend someone money if I'm not sure it will ever be repaid? And if I have question about this guy's resources and his ability to pay back the loan. Um, what can I do if I loan money to someone who seemed very honest and sincere, but now that it comes time to repay, he informs you that he's penniless? Okay, so what's my recourse? What may I do and what may I not do to collect my money? How can I guarantee that I get my money back? Okay. Uh, see if we can answer some of those questions. 
Okay, so again, the uh, the mitzvah, as you notice, the but number, core number two, over in the bottom there, it says, Ram says it's a greater mitzvah to lend someone money, as we mentioned, which maintains his self-dignity, than it is to give him tzedakah, which is demeaning. So the handout is always, is always has certain aspect of being demeaning, therefore, it's, it's Ramam says it's always better to take a loan. Now what's interesting is if you look in the sources, I, I didn't quote from this week's parasha, but I will in a second, but the sources here are from Exodus. It says like this, in Kesef Talves Ami, so now the language in the Hebrew side is im. Im means if, really. Okay? Um, it says if you lend money. And, and then it says you can't charge interest. That's rule number one. We're not going to focus on But what they discuss is the Talmud says the im, usually the word im means if. But here, they, all the commentators say it doesn't mean if, because it's obligatory. It's an obligation to lend people money. If you have the res- if you have extra money, and someone needs a loan, um, it's actually obligatory to do that mitzvah. It's one of the six thirteen. So it doesn't mean if. It says when you lend someone money, because you have to do it. again if you have the money around. Obviously, if you don't have the money, and you can't lend. Okay, so so that's number one. The commentaries say im here. The Hebrew word im is not translated as if, but it means when. Okay, so that's number one. Interesting side. So it says, in case of Talvesami, when you lend money to, to again, a member of the Jewish nation, to the poor person who is with you, um, so it says here, the first thing is, before the, then the second part is interest, can't impose interest on him, but before that it says, you shall not behave toward him as a creditor, as a lender. We'll see what that means. Oh, you're still how do you open it? It's, it's a trick. Uh, I need it for my next <laughs> class. So I just bring a class to class. <laughs> I think you have to pull off something you pull off there. I did. I pulled it off. And I, now you just have to use your strength. I haven't worked out today. Give it to Scotty. Okay, so. You keep going. It's gone. It's gone. Okay, what? Don't get your app. So the, the point is like this. Scotty, help her out. Okay. Oh, so the, 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 what it's saying here is you shall not behave towards him as a creditor. What does that mean? Very strange word. I mean, I'm lending him money, but it says don't behave to him as a creditor. Okay, so we'll see what that means. We'll get back to those words. Just, let's just read it. And then the, the second verse, verse 25, then discusses um, collateral. And in those days and today also, in certain instances, as we'll discuss, taking collateral was part of the uh, of giving a loan. You wanted to make sure you're going to get paid back, so you took something that belongs to the person, his Rolex watch, whatever it is, and you held on to it as the credit. So it says, the verse goes on to say, if you take your neighbor's, neighbor's garment as security, okay, let's say you take his coat, um, it says when sunset returns, meaning let's say you took his pajamas, okay, you took his, his bedspread as collateral, if he needs it, meaning when sunset comes, he has to go to sleep now and he needs his pajamas, so you have to return it to and get it back in the morning. But if you're going to take collateral, what the Torah seems to be saying is, this is a fascinating thing. Again, you lent him the money, you're the creditor, but you need to make sure that if he needs his collateral, you can't take something that he's going to need. You can, but if he needs it, you need to give it to him back. So if he took his lawnmower, and now he has to... No, the point is, you're going to hold on, meaning it belongs to you. And you're but giving it back as a, it. as a chair. That's yes. like if someone took my TV, but every time I wanted to watch it, he gave it right back. No. I'd be like, great, you no, hold my TV. No, it still belongs to you, meaning if he doesn't pay the loan, this is prior to the loan, due date. Once he doesn't pay back the loan, it's yours. And okay. you, you go and you, you have, have a right to sell it. You no, have it's to so belongs to you. Person. 
<laughs> poor person. Okay. Because normally a poor person is not going to have a Rolex watch to give you or a TV to give you. Right. So what they're talking about is he's literally giving you the jacket, the pillow, the mattress that he or she has. Right. And you take that as collateral because you know they're coming back for it because it's the only thing. That's why I... That's, that's a, it's a valid point. Why right. does long every time he, he needs it, you give it back to him? Oh, no, at night. Uh -uh. One second. You said whenever you need it. Well, yeah, no, but the point is like this: the collaterals for when the loan comes due, is you get the, you then you can sell it. At that point, you don't give it back. Meaning, if the due date is a thirty-day loan, he doesn't pay it back, and now it's fifty days, and he doesn't. I, I, then I, you can go ahead and sell it. You don't give it back to him at that point. I'd, I'd make a further extension. To me, it's analogous to uh, exempt items. So, with with the exception. You know, if you make a loan directly for your homestead, of course, the lender can take your homestead. But short of that, if you borrow $10,000 at the bank, can't take your homestead. they can't get your homestead, they can't get your TV, they can't get your clothing. There's a whole long list of exempt items that, you know, society has decided people need. You need your TV. Can't survive. Your TV, whatever, you know, th those are household furnishings and goods. And there's a, if I recall correctly, there used to be a list of, of exempt ag items, uh, agricultural oh, items, that were farmers. part of a, you know exempt from creditors. Sort of the same same. Okay. I think that's the same basis. So there's things. That yes, it might be need. the basis, but here it's saying you can take it, just you need to give it back to when you need it. And Maui's bothered by that. But I'm saying is, at the end of the day, you keep it if he doesn't pay back the loan. We're told post post right. due date is when you have to give it back. I mean, sorry, pre-due date. Pre-due date. Before the due date. Post-due date, you can go ahead and sell it. So, so, and by the way, that, that's what David's mentioning. In many, in Texas law or other, sta other yeah, state, other I think law. all states have. A yeah. So there's exemption. there's certain exemptions. Um, halacha also does have exemptions, but halacha's exemptions are much stricter. Meaning anything, as we're going to see, when it comes back to take to paying a loan, anything that the person doesn't need to live, literally you're allowed to take. Um, so TV clearly would, would not be me. Most people don't need TV to live. Internet is something like that. But, but a TV, so, so you, as we'll see soon, it means if he has anything, when you come to pay back a loan, this guy, and this guy has any type of assets, you have a right to them, as we're going to see. So, so but, but the point is here, as collateral, you need to, if he needs that item, and as Scotty pointed out, he needs, so you're talking about a poor person, so he's giving you his, his jacket off his back and then it starts raining. He's giving you his raincoat, then it starts raining, so you need to give him back the raincoat for the rain. Okay? And the verse continues, verse 26, it says, Kihu, it says, explains it, it says, Kihu ksusolavada for his, his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. If that shall he lie, um, lie in the sense of, I think that's a misspelled meaning. Lie meaning he, he needs to lie down. So he needs his pajamas, he needs his blanket. It shall be that if he cries out to me, I will hear him because I am gracious. So this is a question of, again, it's, we're talking about, as Kenny pointed out, someone who's poor, and right before this, God talks about you shall not oppress the widow, the orphan, um, etc. Okay, so in that same context, it then says these verses. Um, and again, this is, now in, in this week's parsha, I didn't put it on the sheet here, it says very similarly, the verse says, if he is a poor man, you shall not lie down with his security. Okay, meaning you, you took his blanket, you can't sleep with his blanket. He needs it back. Hashiv Toshivlo, again, you're allowed to take it, but when he needs it, it says you shall return it to him. Kivo Hashemesh, with sundown. 
Shafa Bisamasa, so that he may lie down with his garment. Mubeirach and bless you. This will stand for you as an act of charity, an act of righteousness. Before your God. So what we actually what they do understand from you, relevant to what Mallory was saying, is that you actually it belongs to you. Once you take the collateral, and I don't know how it works the legalities in, in Western law, in American law, um, but in, in Jewish law, the Talmud says if you took a collateral, it actually you own it. it. Belongs to you. Now you're doing because of the fact that the Torah says it's an act of righteousness of charity when you return it to him for when he needs it. Um, of course, and you're going to take it back in the morning. But that is considered an act of charity. So we see from there that it belongs to you because if it didn't belong to you, it's not called. That wouldn't be the Torah wouldn't define that as an act of righteousness of charity. So the fact that it calls it staka to return it to him shows that you actually own the collateral. Um, what about whatever that's relevant. Not doing in this situation because it's demeaning. That the whole point of doing the lending. No, but here it's not the the guy needs us. You're right. Stuck is the meaning. All charity is the meaning. Right. Yeah, when someone has to go on food stamps, it's the meaning for most people. So what if you but just kept the collateral? No, but the point is the meaning. What do you mean? At the end of the loan, after no. the loan's due? Or? No, but the point is here. He needs a thing. He needs a, something to sleep in. That's what we're saying. Like you took his mattress. The guy can't go to sleep. So you're right. It's the meaning. Hundred percent. It's not pleasant, but there's, there's, it's better than the other option than not sleeping. Okay, so, that, so you're right. All charity is demeaning. That's what we're saying. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's, there's no other choice. What we're saying is in the hierarchy of charity, it's better to give someone a loan than to give someone a handout. Because you're helping in that sense, that at least it's not demeaning. Okay. All right, I have a question about what you just read, though. Because yeah. you were saying, you read in there that the collateral item belongs to the lender and you're doing an act of charity to give it back when the, when, the, um, when the borrower needs it. Well, if the loan hasn't come due yet, how can it, be the, how can it really be the property of the lender? So that's it's not, again, is it so really? That's what it's saying. The Talmud's saying legally, yes. Once you take it, it's, as we'll see later on, we'll even discuss that it, there's even ways to retroactively make I mean, it into a sale. Does that question make sense to you? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, no, it, it makes sense. This is, is a little different kind of lending than, I, than we might be thinking of. To me, this is more pawn shop lending than we're thinking of bank. You know, of a bank loan. Bank loan, you've got a security interest in the collateral. So let's mm-hmm. say a car loan. Mm-hmm. You know, you're driving the car yeah, right, until yeah. you don't pay it and, and it's defaulted. And, right. But the bank has a a collateral mm-hmm. interest, a security interest in your collateral that they can go attach when you're not making payments. Mm-hmm. This seems to me more describing. You've walked into the pawn shop, you've taken the, the two Rolexes and a piece of art, and the pawn shop's going to hold it for a specified period of time. So there's, there's a pretty big distinction there between that. So what do you say? But then when you needed to check the time, you could go to the pawn shop and say, I'd like my watch back, I, you I know, mean, the pawn, that Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> that's mean, where it breaks down. But, right. But the idea that you're holding, you're actually physically holding the collateral is not a part of contemporary times today. Right. Besides pawn shop. Besides a pawn shop kind of arrangement. Yeah. But, you know, would that item, though, be considered really the property of the lender if the loan hasn't yet come due? He's holding it. But what he was reading to us... I don't know what the loan is. ...for the purposes of keeping it safe and secure. So the lender has liability there. They don't yeah, unless they have another. Now there is lending. I say that you know I was describing pawn shop lending, but you know if you had a, a piece of art that was worth six million dollars, uh, 
and you took that to Northern Trust, Northern wouldn't loan you money on that because the art is so easily you know, disposable. Mm -hmm. they, they couldn't get their collateral if they needed it. So they, they would take the art and Northern would give you $3 million against the $6 million value. They would not have the right to show it or use it but they would have, even they after they the still default have ownership. Law? No, prior, jury, right. they would not have the right to use it, but they would have an obligation to keep it safe and secure. But do they really have ownership? Because that's what he was just, no. read, was just reading to us. That's no, what I'm, I'm questioning. Saying, yes, but yeah. according to the Torah, what we're saying, yeah. you, according to the Torah, is saying, based on these words, so it's a Gemara. The Gemara says um, um, it means that, he, listen, to a certain extent, obviously it doesn't mean he can go and sell it, prior to the loan being due. But, but it's relevant to Shemitah, to different it, laws. To it's considered it, right? that, he's owned, that he's the owner. So there, okay. I don't know that liability, though, that's, that's interesting. I don't know that they're necessarily the owners, the extent of ownership. they're there's, responsible. There's different opinions as to the extent no, no, they, of that ownership. There's a certain sense of ownership. That they're how far does the ownership come they, And they would insure against the, extent of the six million property. Sure, sure. They'd go get an appraisal and everybody would agree. Even though it's not theirs. Technically. Right, so that's Although that's where it comes up. The question holding, of liability. They're holding it, they're responsible. Right. That's part, the question is going to be, as David mentioned, I didn't, I didn't hear the detail, but as far as liability is concerned, meaning that's where it's relevant. If I if I own the collateral, the question is how, what is my liability on the collateral? Let's say it's stolen from my house. Mm -hmm. I have the Rolex in my house. Mm -hmm. I put it in the safe and my house is broken into. Mm -hmm. Now the Rolex gets stolen. So who's, am I liable as the lender? Okay. Yes. Or not? Well, you yes. would be, wouldn't you? Sure, because you're holding it. So, yes, you're so, so, so that like shows ownership. a certain extent it's of ownership. Like ownership. Right. Okay, I get so it. That's the question we're going to discuss. All right, I understand. Thank you. Because okay. there, there are different opinions as to the extent of the ownership. Okay, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, so now... Um, so so, let's, so that's, those are the verses, and we'll see how they're relevant to various laws. So number three here... Um, so the so a few questions here. So the Chafetz Chaim, who wrote actually a, a whole book, it's called Avat Chesed, The Love of Kindness is the name of his book, and he discusses lending money extensively. So he says here, he talks about how also people get frustrated with repeated borrowers. Same guy always comes to you for money. It's always the same guy. Lent the money, he pays back, and then you know he comes to you again. Right? Usually by the third time, that's when he doesn't pay back. He gets here. Okay, so uh, number three, I want. Yes. I, I had exactly Let's read it. Let's read it first. Let's okay. read it. Then. Oh, you already read it, so you already. Yeah. So number okay, three says the Chavetz Chaim He says. Tell me what you would have done. He says I should not become upset if a, he says oh, a person should not become upset if a poor person wants to borrow money from me shortly after repaying a previous loan. My attitude should be similar to a storekeeper, meaning this is it's a business. Do I become angry with a repeat customer? So this is a repeat customer for a loan. Do I feel that he's constantly bothering me? Similarly, one should not turn away people, turn people away without a loan. Rather, view it as a new opportunity to perform a mitzvah to see if extra blessing. Okay. Okay. Fellow I've done a lot of business with. Um, we unwound a deal, owed me some money. It, this happened two months ago. So it's very current. Brink drops off a check, uh, be specific, drops off a check $25,000, which is a payment towards towards his indebtedness with me. Um, three weeks later to the day, calls me and says, Needs a bet. I, I need, uh, and, and he, his credit has gone from subprime to underwater. <laughs> which uh -oh. Calls me back and says, <clears throat> David, so happy I could drop off 25000 I need $30,000 to pay for my daughter's wedding. The wedding is in 10 days. 
Okay, now meanwhile he has paid the first loan back, correct? Still owes some. He still owes money on it, okay. Yes, he clearly owes money, but in in our bookkeeping between, he, because I'm precise, so yes, he owes me a fair sum of money. He still owes on the first loan. In our dealings over 15 years, I've done I've done very nicely. So in the he's he's been he's paid back absolutely in the total scheme of 15 years, I'm way up. But at this point, he owes me some more money. Yeah. What should I have done, Rabbi? And he's very clear what he needs it for. Needs it for his daughter's wedding, and he says he'll pay me back from a deal that's coming down the pipes. You know, some sometime in the future. That's the question. Is very very ephemeral on the future source. Was he still within the time frame of the first loan? Oh no, he's he's way he's way. And you don't have. I mean, he's saying, listen, we're talking about someone who. If if you know that this person there's a possibility, first of all, if he's not keeping the terms of the loans, yeah, then you're read done. the next one. Good you news know. for you. Good news for you. Money for yours. So I mean, I don't think you have to lend somebody. I so ahead someone and I didn't get back who violated the terms of the original loan, really you don't have to lend him. But okay. as we're going to see, if he really doesn't have the money, so then you're not a pressure, as we're going to talk about. It's a pressure. Right, but I'm saying, so but you technically, you don't have to give him. You did not give him the money. I didn't give him the money. <laughs> One, we're not, we're not friend. We are, we are business mm-hmm. acquaintances. We're yeah. not friends. Yeah. My view was he's asking me to make a twenty-five thousand dollar gift to his daughter's wedding, to which I wasn't even invited. <laughs> so I was like, then. it was like, nice. you know, to me it was insult to injury. Oh, yeah. At least oh. invite me. <laughs> At least invite me for $25,000. Don't I get a seat? Hey, you okay. would have gave the money. I don't have to be at the head table. If but you would have gave the money, you would have officiated. Really? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It should have been the first Davis, invitation uh, going Jack. out. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You see the joke on the front? Yes, I like it. Okay, so, so you, so again, so you're right. In David's case, um, the issue becomes if someone violated the terms of the loan. Of course, you don't have to give them a new loan. Surely not. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, there's no question. Um, if they haven't paid back the previous loan, meaning again, talking about someone who pays on time and now yeah. he just constantly comes three weeks later, he comes so again. Treating him like a bank. Right. Yeah. So right. I'm saying, listen, man, you have to look at it as an opportunity. Again, since in Jewish philosophy we look at a loan as a mitzvah, an obligatory mitzvah, if you have the, the funds, so you shouldn't look at it. Oh, this guy's you know, he's just bugging me. No, this is an opportunity to do another case of. Of tzaka, because, so to speak. Because you can't charge interest if it's a fellow right. Jew. So you're really just doing a mitzvah because yes. you can't even make money. Oh, off of okay. He was not Jewish. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure. <laughs> okay, now what, another question that came up that I've been asked is what happens if you have, you know, does this, it sounds like you could assume the mitzvah is only for someone who's desperate for the money, who doesn't have the funds. What about uh, you have a person who has the means? He just wants to do an investment. He needs, you know, fifty million dollars to to, to I mean, his building. If we're to buy a building. a number like that, I would bet the guy's car is worth twenty-five, thirty grand. I mean, I'm not so. So I would, I, I wouldn't feel as bad in in this case, knowing that obviously he's he somehow has some means versus somebody who's saying, look, you know, I need 
$2,732 so I can get married Amen. at the Little Shul and here's, you know, this is a guy, I, I would think that that's what they're saying. That's what I think. So what, who said so, I, I think I didn't make the assessment or assumption that he that he has a car, doesn't have. My view was, look, you're asking, if he had asked me for a business purpose, I, I think I would have thought about it differently. You're asking me to get involved in your family <laughs> instances. I don't want to make that just what you said, but the opposite. I don't want to be involved in whether the, the wedding is a big wedding or a little wedding. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, $25,000 doesn't get you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a wedding in the small little down the road. I don't want to be in the, you know, the cake ought to be bigger or less or your daughter should wear something or you should have a discussion with your daughter about what your means are. Whoa, you're asking me to get involved in something that, you know, you're... You're just asking me to make a gift. And I'm not in the gift business to, to somebody that I'm in business with. So so this question, by the way, so to the fact they, they talk about, uh, Shulchan Aruch discusses, the fact that someone is a person of means and is coming for a loan doesn't, doesn't mean there's no mitzvah. I mean, so let's say someone wants to make an investment. They want to invest in this property. They need uh, $100,000 to, to invest in the property. Okay, so again, we're not coming from a business perspective. The the point is, there's the same mitzvah there. If you have that hundred thousand dollars, you can lend it in. It's the same mitzvah. Obviously, as far as priority is concerned, you have someone who can't afford to eat, and someone who needs a loan, or someone who's you know needs to start a small business because he has to support his family, and someone is need, needs uh, you know ten million dollars for to buy the Enron building. That's the best. Whatever it's called now. Um, okay, so there's a big difference there. Obviously, priority-wise, you, you, you help the person who needs the loan to support his family. Okay, but the same mitzvah applies, meaning if you have that money lying around, if you have an extra $10 million in the bank that you can lend out, you, so it's the same mitzvah to a rich person or poor person. There's no differentiation. The mitzvah to lend is to anyone. Again, priority-wise, of course, a poor person comes before the rich person. But the mitzvah is it's just as much of a, what we call an act of kindness to help someone invest in and buy a building downtown as it is, again, obviously, the poor person, you're also getting the charity aspect. But the mitzvah of lending by itself is equal poor or rich, okay? Um, there's an issue of priorities, as we Buying saying. this building, lending money to buy this building is the same mitzvah. It's a ch- meaning, the point the is, the Torah says, no, I'm saying is if you have a choice, of course you lend the food bank. Mm-hmm. But as far as fulfilling a mitzvah, you fulfill it with a rich person. To say, it stands by itself. There's besides the aspect of charity, Torah says it's a mitzvah to lend money. Lending money, business David is in, it's a mitzvah. He gets mitzvahs every day. Okay? So, so the fact <laughs> that, right, so irrelevant to the charitable. Yeah, Rabbi, I always tell people we're in the help business. <laughs> That's exactly what I tell them. So, meaning the charity, there's. there's if you lend it to a poor person, there's two parts. So first of all, you help the guy. You were charitable. The person now can feed his family. That's one aspect. And you fulfill the mitzvah of lending. If you lend money to the rich guy, so you only fulfill the mitzvah of lending. There's I, no I, charity. I really don't understand why Beth Schroeder is not offering me more alias. <laughs> you know, the work that I do, you know, to help people. I mean, really. Can, huh? can you call Rosa? You use a Do you guys want to mock Yes, yeah, so there is, well, there's Hebrew free loan and then there's some smaller, there is, it's an important point that it was such an important concept, most cities, including Houston, has this, we mentioned before, they have the Hebrew free loan, which Brian Miller happens to be president of, I think, because 
on the board, um, which is an amazing thing. They lend interest-free loans now. Major. I mean, I think five thousand is the highest. Five thousand is the highest loan, but you just come in as long as. And they do require, I think, a co-signer. Talk about three co-signers. Three? Yeah. 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 We'll talk about and, that. And, and by the way, Hebrew Loan Free Loan Society does have something in the uh, packets uh, at the High Holy Days right. at, at every shul and yeah. temple in town, yeah. and it, it is a. I mean, I, I've never said to anybody at this give, but. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great. Send them ten dollars. Send them ten dollars, and you send them more. Send them right, more, so that's that's a very good point because meaning many times you can't fulfill those mitzvah on your own because right. you know I have uh, you know five hundred dollars in the bank. No one's coming to me for my five hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, but if you, you can, like you say, you make a donation to the Hebrew loans, so you're fulfilling these mitzvah. So the fact that the they're how, be, how long is the loan for? When do you have to repay it? You make the mm-hmm. terms. That, that's oh, really? he, that you're not, you know. You, you're making a contribution to the Hebrew Free Loan Society. They're running it. No, I'm, I'm asking someone who was oh. going to ask yeah, for a loan. Say, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, it's awesome. Right. It's it is awesome. Really. And, and should take great and comfort all very in Brian. Private, nobody right, Brian, who is. does come here from time to time, is running a terrific individual. You know, so if you're inclined, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, a good organization. To support. Yes. And Brian runs a tight ship. <laughs> Okay. He could learn a little from me on interest rates, but still. <laughs> so now, so the question now becomes: What happens when you know this guy is high risk? Meaning, how, where, where do you draw the line? Saying you're obligated to mitzvah to lend someone money. What happens if the guy comes to you? You know, in the past, first of all, he's a chronic gambler. Let's say goes to Vegas every month. You know what he's going to do with the money. You know, there's no way of. There's a good chance you're not going to see your money. How does that work? Okay, how do you make that decision? So the Shulchan Aruch says very clearly, Code of Jewish Law says that one should not lend money. Not only are you not required, it says you shouldn't lend money if you know that the borrower squanders money and does not repay. So if this guy has a record, whether it's with you or a different uh, bank or whatever the case may be, you know, or you know he's a gambler, and this guy bets on the horses. Okay, you say the case two is. different things, because what if the guy's a gambler and he's good and he always repays the loan? <laughs> I mean, I'm just—I'm asking. I, I'm not making judgments. Yes, yeah, so I'm is saying it's not a, no, it being a gambler is not a disqualification. Does not repay. Right. Yeah, being so a gambler by a itself is not a disqualification. The okay. point is, I, I, you I know, he—he—well, he, you missed that class. Not oh so yeah, simple. we talked about that. <laughs> so if, you, if you make a living out of it, it is. Yeah, only oh, if that's okay. your yeah. profession. Oh, there goes my dream. Right? Yeah. World poker. Yeah, yeah. So you can do it too. No, it's not a profession. Yeah. And technically, if you don't, so happens. someone who's like in the World Texas Poker, yeah. you know, hold on, they uh-huh. that's yeah, it. Seems, that's seems the problem. Seems to be the opposite. If you can make a living, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and why is it a sin? Right. Is that a sin? I wouldn't call it a sin. The point is, is it stealing from the? It's the issue of considered stealing from the your, you know, the people you're playing against. That's where, that's where it becomes an issue. So if you do it, this is your profession. The assumption is you cheat. Okay. Uh, if you're making so money at so it, the assumption, sorry, the assumption the is you're cheating. You're cheating. Right. Now we're talking about it. I'm feeling sorry. better about it. <laughs> sorry, that was a different class. And by the way, I'm not sorry. discounting because that's horrible, horrible, horrible. I'm not discounting. <laughs> but but uh, it would be a good. I would no, so really again, love to so, debate so, that one. So again, gambling in itself is not a disqualification. Okay. Yeah. The issue is if it's someone that uses high risk, that's really the point. So if the guy, you're right, if the guy is always good at it, then. Pays back the horse in the seventh ribby. Didn't you tell us though that the Torah prohibits doing that as a living? Yes. 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 It's, it's a separate yeah. issue, but it has nothing yeah. to do with like that. these guys who are oh, professional 
thought it was like because yeah. you're not trusting in God. <clears throat> no, have you done that? No, we've got Adams. We've got Adams. Okay, okay, great. Okay, so this, again, so the Shochalas is very clearly not only are you not obligated to lend, you shouldn't lend because you're setting the guy up for not paying a loan, which is the same. Not paying back a loan is stealing. Okay, so by giving him money, you're basically setting the guy up not to pay, which we'll see. There's other issues. For example, it even says there's a halacha, I put it here, um, that when you do lend money, it says even if it's a great rabbi, it says it specifically, you need to have either witnesses at the loan or um, what's called a star. That means the person has to write you an IOU in his own handwriting, which is considered as witnesses, meaning... So, meaning you never lend money, it says specifically, you shouldn't lend money to someone without any record. Because you're basically you're setting the guy up for, for not to pay it back. Okay, so therefore it says even the most scrupulous, you're lending money to the biggest rabbi in the city, you need to make sure it's documented and there's either witnesses or it's, he has an IOU in his own handwriting, which is considered as, as his own admission. Otherwise, it says it's prohibited to lend. Because you don't, you don't want to set someone up in a situation where there's they're going to end up you're basically enticing them not to repay. Okay, so the same thing here. So if you know the guy doesn't pay on time or pay at all, then you, you should not lend him. Okay? Um, now, now, what does it mean when we said in the verses we quoted before, in verse 24, it says, you shall not behave toward him as a creditor, as a lender. Okay, what does that mean? Um, this is known as the prohibition of nosha. So nosha, so the so Rambam interprets it like this. It says, lotia lo kenosha. What does that mean? To not behave to him like a creditor, including this prohibition is that it's forbidden to demand payment from a, from a Jew when you know that he can't pay. So meaning, let's say you know this guy just lost all his money. He, he was made off, just the uh, stock market crashed. He lost his whole portfolio last week. So it says it's prohibited. The Torah, it's understood, it's literally a negative prohibition to ask him back for the money. If you know he doesn't have the money at this point to pay, talking about even after the term is, the, the, the loan is due, you can't ask him for it back. And we'll, we'll define that in a second what that means. The point is, if there's no way you know he can't pay, so don't make the guy crazy at this point. Wait till you know he gets an income. He makes, you know, he's back on his feet. At that point, you can ask him. So that's what it's understood, these words, to mean you shall not behave to, toward him as a lender. It means you can't pressure him for the money when you know he doesn't have it. It's prohibited. It's a, it's a biblical prohibition. So again, the analogy there <coughs> to me is once somebody takes bankruptcy, you cannot contact them again about... Well, not necessarily because bankruptcy could be, he still has the money, he's just protected. So if, if you know he still has the money, then you're allowed to... I mean, not talking about legally, I'm talking about from the Torah's talking about legally, so yeah. what I think is the analogy. And technically he doesn't have the money, because if he takes bankruptcy, all of his non-exempt assets go to the trustee. And the trustee takes those and then prioritizes paying okay. his creditors. Right. So he doesn't have money other than what the trustee so that's allows a, him to So have. that's a question which we actually discussed and, in the bankruptcy class. And then in, in bankruptcy, you can't, you're, you are forbidden as a creditor to contact, to, to contact, contact him. Yeah, yeah. But if the borrower approaches you and says, I want to, Rabbi, you loaned you me $100, I want to reaffirm my debt, that's a valid, so that's, that's, that's valid. An individual loan or a business loan, either in, one? In any event. Really? I didn't know that. No, you do. Right, so, so, but the big issue of bankruptcy, as far as the Torah is concerned, the halach is concerned, is it might not be a valid, meaning if he has things that are non-exempt items halachically, um, he really has the funds, just he's protected by Chapter 11 or his business protected. So then 
I don't know if he'd be in violation of this, according to the Torah. Meaning, listen, if he has the money, he's just legally protected. So I could, I, I, love, I could still pressure people who have the money. I mean, contrary to sort of the popular belief that people have money and you know are abusing food stamps, that, that's not so. No, don't matter. I had a not, case. People have that money are not exactly taking going into bankruptcy saying. No, but it's actually not not personal bankruptcy, but their business. I had a case where I actually I set up an executive learning with someone. I told him my fee to come to his office to learn. You know, to come learn with him. And then, like two weeks later, he tells me, "By the way, I can't really send you the check because I just filed for Chapter 11 <laughs> business, and I can't send you, so I can't pay you." I mean, I'll be, he said, "You know, I'll pay you, but I'm not allowed to write a check for the business at this point. It's illegal for me to write the check to, 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 for the business to give out any money." So that's true. So my, my that's, that's, but that's so, uh, true. Because, like two weeks after because I, yeah. the trustee is then in charge of all of that right. and you so, were an unsecured but he, had, he said I have money I'm going to pay you just I have to well, figure out how to do it legally that was his issue so in that case he, I could that he has money was an overstatement on his part the trustee would have to approve that right. if he truly had filed bankruptcy the trustee is, the, is in charge and you would go into the group of unsecured creditors okay uh, which so then could the guy pay him in cash, no for example? Just here. Well, he, no, the guy could have honored his obligation by just paying him out of his personal assets. So if yeah. the company takes bankruptcy, oh, yeah, okay. he may well have had $22 million sitting in his personal bank account and uh -huh. the company went broke. Right. Nothing okay. prohibited him from taking his personal assets and saying, Rabbi, here, I'm going to so pay much. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he paid me. He paid me, but he didn't pay me. But it took a while. Um, okay, so so uh, so that's what he's saying here. The Rambam explains. My Maimonides explains. You can't demand payment if you know he doesn't have. He's not able to pay. Um, so and the, the Talmud interprets that even further. He says the leather is a fascinating thing. Just to show you how much. Again, we we view. You know, I'm I'm lending you money. I'm doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. I'm the creditor. I'm, the Torah says no. You can't even. Shame, meaning, let's say you, uh, you're going <coughs> to see him, you're passing by his house, you walk your dog and you pass by his house, and he's going to feel uncomfortable because he owes you money, but you know he can't pay you. It's not his fault, again, he was made off, he was invested in made off, mm -hmm. lost everything, and now he can't pay you. So it says even for you to pass by his house and make him uncomfortable, not intentionally, but you're, as he says, the lender may not even stand in front of the borrower in a way that might embarrass or intimidate him. So if he feels like he's being pressured by you, because you're, you know, every day you're walking, you keep on walking your dog around the block in front of him when he's doing his lawn. Yeah. Right, so that's a problem. Even that's prohibited. So, you know, again, the concept is amazing. Philosophically, you see that the Torah, meaning you, you did him a favor, but still, you can't in any way make him feel bad about that favor. So you think the six pit bulls that you were walking with <laughs> might, might have some intimidation. See, this, is, this is the beauty of the Torah. I mean, it's uh, just like amazing. So when, it's so, get, amazing. So when you get 33% of your check, <laughs> Okay, and they give you back, or 30%, whatever they give back. Let's say, I, I think they, it's something like that. Who's they? You know, let's say the borrower in your example. I mean, 30%, he's, he's still horrible in, in his position. But you know he got some cash. So again, then, if he has cash, they, uh, you know, hey, if he has uh, cash, then you're allowed to pressure him. You're saying he's when he doesn't, when you know this guy really doesn't have anything to pay, that's when it becomes an issue. I mean, so when, but when is it... Is thirty is thirty percent on his on his money enough to then go by and say, hey, I know you got a, you know, if I know he's paying out. Do you have? Oh, no, if he has more, then you're allowed to pressure him again. We're talking about someone I, who has. I think no. you you're getting too far in the weeds. And so 
he has money. How he got it? Did he? Because that's like saying he did a deal and he made six million or sixty-six million. He got he got some money. The, yeah, he got thirty percent here. You don't know what else he got from an inheritance or from other sources. He now has quote some money. If he then says to you, "Look, I got this, but I needed it just to for uh, a roof over my head and food." Well, that will change right, your so thinking. So that's the, the problem. Says it could be thirty percent of eight hundred million dollars. He got two hundred forty million dollars. Right. So, so Dave is exactly right. My manly says, the, the, I think it's from the Talmud. I didn't see it inside, but I think my manly says, quotes quoting the Talmud. He says that if the guy has anything, that's when the next. If you look at number eight. Only if he has no money and movable assets, which means real estate, we don't go, we don't take his real estate more than the homestead. Um, if he, it's a regular loan. You can't take his real estate unless that was stipulated before. So the point is, if he has anything that can that's not bolted down to the floor, you have a right to that. Um, again, except even money, except what he needs. That that's how strict we are. What he needs to live on the next 30 days. If he needs to li- literally, that's how much we allot to him. Anything above 30 days living expenses is yours. You have a right to to get it through court. You can't just go in and take. It. So you have a right to pressure him to to give you that. Anything above 30 days living expenses, according to Allah, obviously, I think in, in Western law it's going to be somewhat different. 30 days is not, is not is very little money. But anything above that, so TV or even, there are some exempt things, but, like but otherwise you can take it. Okay, and the other thing is it says only applies if the lender does not offer borrower a reasonable option for repayment. Okay, that means, let's say even I know you have nothing, but I can come to you and talk about terms alone. Mm-hmm. Listen, you have nothing now, but let's talk about paying me down, you owe me $50,000, $100 a month, or something reasonable where the guy still should be able to do it. So that, you have a right to go do that, even though he, right now he, might, he can't repay the loan, but to talk to him about other options of repayment is fine. Okay, that's number one. Only applies to lenders, not offer borrow reasonable actual repayment. For spreading the loan to small payments over time is absolutely permissible. So to go talk to him about how to pay back, that's fine. Okay, so bottom line is, we don't have much time, what, how am I guaranteed, is there a way to get back my money, to be guaranteed my money? So there's a few options here um, that Talmud discusses. One is, um, so like we mentioned before, you need to make sure that the loan is documented. That's obviously... Step number one, when you're doing a loan, you have to have either witnesses or other proof, as we're saying. And you shouldn't lend money if there's no proof to your loan. Okay, as a matter of fact, because it says you're setting the guy up for, to, to, you're enticing him not to pay back the loan if there's no proof. Okay, now there's a few things. One is the co-signer, which we discussed, is done by the um, Hebrew free loan. So they require three co-signers. But having a co-signer loan is a way to make sure, in a certain sense, you're gonna get back your money. Now there's two forms of co-signers the Talmud, the Halakha discusses. One is what's called, the word for cosign is an arev. Arev literally means a, literally means cosign, but it's someone who, I don't know how we translate, there's a saying, Kal Yisrael arevim zelazeh. All Jews are cosigners to each other, meaning you're responsible, there's a sense of responsibility. Okay, so the other person that means, the way it works is in a standard cosigner, which is the way the, the Hebrew free loan works, because I have cosigned on a few loans, um, and by the way, now they did, I think they don't let uh, rabbis do it anymore. They don't let rabbis co-sign him. Rabbi, you're good here. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they uh, waive that requirement. Because <laughs> the reason is because I think rabbis were just co-signing for uh, there's too many rabbis, and then mm-hmm. can't come to a rabbi and ask yeah. ask them to repay back the <laughs> So they they don't they don't allow they don't allow rabbis to do it anymore. I remember. Rabbis are 
<laughs> so, uh, so the third, so it says here, it says the standard Arif means is that after you've attempted to collect a loan from the borrower, okay, then and he, and he defaulted, then you can go to the cosign. Take care. Alex. So then you can go to the cosigner. Okay, but there's something, another cosigner, the Talmud talks about, it's called Arev Kablan. That means literally he's taking equal responsibility. I don't know, is there a legal, what's that called? In, uh, is there a word for that? So meaning, meaning you can go to either one of them equally. You don't have to, he doesn't have to default. As a lender, it is a juror option to proceed against one or, or several other. of the borrowers, the co-signers, however. So they're all considered equal. Is co-signer and co-borrower the same thing? No. No. You borrowed the money. Money's going from the rabbi to you. But the rabbi says, I need additional, I, I need another right. signer. I sign for it. But they're equally responsible, meaning you don't have to, he doesn't have to <coughs> default on the loan, the borrower, for you to go, for the lender to go to you, the co-signer. Because you can go directly to you to begin with. So that's obviously much more serious cosigner, much harder to get probably also. And therefore, there's a better chance, you have a better chance of, of making sure to you can today get the money. Today, any loan document is the cosigner is equally, equally, equally liable and responsible. Yeah, but could they only go to him after the default? Or okay. they first well, have has, to go has, to the... has to be a default. Right, but that's what, what I'm saying. What this are you one they're say not. To him before there's a default? No. And this right. one we're saying is no. Lender can make the claim against the cosigner without first suing the borrower. What are you that, going that, to correct. say to that? Oh, yes. It has to be a default. But you're saying without first suing. Yes. Default is different than suing. Uh, yeah. There's a default you can go to. There's, there's nine cosigners. You can go to, to you, the way it's written now, you can go to the borrower, you can go to one or nine or however many co-signers you want. Mm -hmm. There's also something now called several liabilities. So, so let's say that uh, you got three co-signers, but each co-signer is only good for 50% of the lot. Mm -hmm. So the three of them together make up 150%. Mm -hmm. So you can have what is called joint liability, you can have several liability, you can have severed liability. So I'm, I've said, I'm good, uh, you know, the loan is $100, I'll co-sign to 50% of it. Mm -hmm. So you get three people co-signing to 50%. So that's, that's several or that's joint? That's several. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But you can have joint, you can have joint and several. You can, have, you can be as creative as flagship can be. <laughs> and, Actually, you can also, and you can separately pursue the collateral at the same time. I did sign up, I was saying by rabbis, so my, uh, the school here that just made a major loan to build a building. Actually, my kid's school, so it was a, it was a five, I mean, different loans, but it was a $5 million loan. Um, so the guy who co-signed, the, uh, the, the foundation was lining them. I think it was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan. Five hundred thousand, sorry, five hundred thousand dollar loan. This foundation was lending them, and they wanted co-signers. So the guy who co-signed, I was. They wanted a rabbi as a witness on the co-sign. So that's what I signed. I had no liability. I have no liability. Just, I'm just saying that he's trustworthy. That the co-signers trust. You have a lot of people that you want signing, just that they have no liability. But man, I can see, vouch I, for their. See, it's one thing. Seriously, it's one thing to say I'm witnessing the signature. It is something very different to say that somebody's trustworthy. Right. So that's because all now, when he doesn't repay, uh -huh. I'm going to haul your no, behind but he's, he's, even, he's, not, he's not even repaying. He's just a cosign. 
Meaning the school is liable for what? That's a cosigner, yeah, exactly. But I made sure I actually had a lawyer look at it. I'm going to depose you, you know, for eight hours on what did you base that on? Did you review his Yeah, but did you mean so am I, am I, is there any possibility of liability? I asked, I had a lawyer look at it and he told me there's no... But then is why sign like, it? I mean, what is you signing again then? But what, and liability? No, they, want to make, they trust the rabbi to say that this guy's trustworthy. <laughs> they don't trust him to say he's trustworthy. They'll trust the rabbi saying that he's trustworthy. That's Because they figure you're not going to be dishonest about it, right? right. Period. That's an assumption. Right. Assumption. <laughs> it's all rabbi. I'm kidding, right. rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he also put up his properties, by the way. This guy has properties leaning to him. Flagship would not. Jack, we wouldn't take your signature vouching for somebody else's trustworthiness because we don't think that's of any value. You either are liable or not liable. Are liable right. or not. We'll make our own assessment right. of the borrower's Trust trustworthiness. If we need you to assert that, we're not doing a good job or you're going to yeah. sign that's the liable. But this wasn't the borrower. Right this here. wasn't the borrower. This person, not the, the school is the borrower. They wanted the school to have, you know, co-signers. But I'm dead. Your signature is nothing other than if you're liable or not liable. Was it a Jewish organization? So they're not charging interest, so you're doing documents a little differently. This is a business. I'm not It was a Jewish foundation that was ready to lend. They won't give the grant, but they'll lend the money. If I was your lawyer, if I was representing you and you wanted to, I'm serious, I would have had you write. Without recourse, uh, uh -huh. I attest yeah. that, believe to the, it said to the best to of my knowledge, right. I believe yeah. you know Mallory is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. You'd be wrong. I don't know if I do. You'd be wrong. But I would have. I would have. I would have instructed yeah. you to yeah. qualify yeah. even your signature. Because that uh, your signature <laughs> in the business world uh -oh. in the United <laughs> States on worth. somebody else's signature, I'm not. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Besides yeah. you being liable. Right, right. Other than saying, okay, I'm, I'm liable. Right, I think it's because it's a Jewish school, it's a Jewish school, it's a Jewish organization. Right, right, right. 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 Okay, we're, we're out of time, but I'm gonna, it just talks about here, this concept of a mashka, which means, again, collateral. Um, what the liability of the person, um, as you, is taking the collateral and the, the problems with it. So, ah, okay, okay. So. But, the, but that's another way, obviously, to make sure you can get your money back is collateral. question is how to do, what's the response? The reason why people aren't, it's not so common today and it's not, uh, it's not such an easy thing is because you have responsibility. It means you're liable, like David was saying before, if it gets lost or stolen, you're going to be liable for that collateral. So I take a Rolex watch and my house gets broken into. I have to pay now for your Rolex. I'm not really gaining it. Okay? Um, or at least it'll be subtracted from the loan. I'm losing. So meaning if the Rolex gets stolen from me, while I'm watching it, while I'm holding on to it, now you have to pay that much back less of the law. So that's, that's legally the same. So that's, that's why it's not, it's not such a great uh, thing, collateral. But there is one way I saw, so they discussed that you can write that into the law. Now first of all, it's a question of evaluation. Again, how do, again, so even if I'm taking a Rolex, like you said, how uh, who evaluates it is used, how much is it really worth, so that becomes a problem. Um, so the, so the Shokhanor says it has to be valued by a panel, three experts before it can be sold. So that's a big pain. So I'm going to get back my money maybe, but I have to go ahead and have it evaluated. So there's a lot involved. Okay, so, so he puts here, an alternative would be to stipulate upon, upon the loan, stating that the buyer agrees to the lender's evaluation. So therefore you don't have to go 
go through the evaluation process, or upon another alternative would be upon non-payment, retroactively becomes a sale, not a loan. So you can make it that, the, that when I took your Rolex, I took it as collateral, but if you put this into the loan, that if there's a default on the loan, it now becomes a sale. So I automatically own the Rolex, so it doesn't have to be evaluated. It's just okay, so a again, the, the analogy there is uh, <coughs> a, what's called a non-recourse loan. So I loan borrower A $5 million to go buy an apartment project, and the apartment project serves as collateral for the loan. My agreement with him, which is, this is customary, is that unless he does something fraudulent, he defaults, just times go bad, he, but he doesn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I get the collateral, but I have no recourse against him. No recourse in what, I mean, for the rest of the, for everything else, for the loan, you mean? Right. You get the collateral and you're done. Right, so it's a, in Some other words, it's a sale. Right. It, it's in effect mm -hmm. a sale. The loan is forgiven to him, but he lost his, he loses 100% of the collateral. Got it. No matter what it's value, it's relevant but to the But the collateral value. typically isn't for 100% of it. Right, so you gain. Right. So the lender gains. Actually, actually so there's, you there's, end up there's, there's a lot of rules there, but the basic rule is, if we're talking about a non-recourse loan, if I get the collateral and, I, and it sells on the courthouse steps under the, the rules of foreclosure, and, and I've loaned party A five million, and on the courthouse steps it sells for six million dollars at an auction. Then you get to keep no goes back to the borrower. A million goes back. Normally, if you didn't put. But that I'm saying, what if you on the courthouse steps it sells for three million? Then he's forgiven. That was our. And you're out too. It's non recourse. That's, that's, yeah. that's my problem. In a non recourse loan. So, why would you ever sign a non recourse Why would I ever make a non recourse right. loan? Um, that's a business decision that we make every day. Give but me an example of when that would be a. Well, because if the property's worth much more and you're lending less. We, because in the competitive marketplace of commercial loans, that's what you have to do. So those are loans you make. Non recourse loans? But, why? I know. but I just want to end off with one last point. Rate. Is the Chavetz Chaim says so meaning so all this it's inconvenient okay. at the end of the day because you have to get the collateral evaluation, uh -huh. but that doesn't negate the fact the mitzvah. Just like any, many mitzvahs and are inconvenient. The reality is the mitzvah inconvenience doesn't excuse you from the mitzvah. It's so inconvenience. So that's an important aspect. Thank you.